You're listening to Once, episode 171, Smash the Mirror. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. Erin isn't able to join us tonight, but she is in a place of awesomeness. She's probably trapped there. Well, would that be bad? Erin actually <laughs> tweeted us recently, and we knew she wouldn't be able to make it uh, this night for recording the podcast, but she tweeted us and let us know she's in Steveston, or at least visited there just recently and sent us an awesome picture and so cool stuff you may hear some spoilers that were provided by aaron in the upcoming spoilers section from hunter and jacqueline later on maybe because aaron did see some filming going on i have no idea what she saw (laughs) but hunter and jacqueline probably do and they might be sharing some of that with you so stick around for that after we close the main portion of the podcast But this episode, Smash the Mirror, I've now watched it three times, and I still think it's my favorite episode of this season, Mm -hmm. or two-part episode, however you want to call that. It's my favorite episode. I'm just going to say it that (laughs) way. And I still think it's up there among my top favorite episodes, maybe number five in my top five favorite episodes. Okay. Yeah. Definitely favorite of the season for me. I don't know where I'd place it. Probably top 10 somewhere. I like how they carried the tension of, is Emma going to go through the door? What's going to happen? A lot of that. And the use of montages in this Mm -hmm. episode are really good, where you hear someone talking and they continue talking as the camera then shows you something else or music is playing while you're not hearing much except the camera is changing, showing different things. They really make effective use of montages for emotional scenes. Mm -hmm. And they certainly did that a lot in this episode. Because this was a two-part episode, two hours of content, instead of going through this as in-depth as we often do, we've split it up into the main themes that stand out to us. So let's start by talking about Emma. I think the big thing that Emma learned from this is a lesson that we've already heard and that Emma is supposed to have already learned. (laughs) (laughs) That is, embrace who you are. Remember back in the beginning of season three in Neverland, Mm -hmm. in the episode The Lost Girl, Emma had to admit that she was an orphan in order for her to see what was on the map that Peter Pan gave her. She had to embrace who she was beyond just, I'm the savior. That didn't work. Mm -hmm. And the other characters too, that was the whole part of the marketing with season three is a pirate will become a hero and a villain will all of this stuff. So it's these people embracing who they are or were at that point and then using that to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. And am I supposed to have learned that? Well, I think it's something people learn in different ways throughout their lives. Certainly. Different aspects, things that maybe weren't even a part of them at one point in their life will be later. And yeah, I kind of have to go through it again sometimes. Yeah. And this is a completely different aspect of her life that she's Mm -hmm. having to embrace. And it is probably the thing that's the hardest for her to embrace besides the fact that she had to admit she was an orphan before. Now she's embracing what abilities she has. I'm sure we weren't the only ones who were thinking this thought when Emma drove down the road is She's leaving Storybrooke because that road where she drove Mm -hmm. is the same road they showed us at the end of the first half of season three. They spent at least 10 minutes there in a very emotional scene. Yeah. So it's kind of like we know that spot. It doesn't even look like it's a different spot on the same road. It's like, that's the spot. Those are the trees that were there (laughs) when she said goodbye and basically the series ended. Which was one of, I think, the best scenes in Once Upon a Time, that whole Mm -hmm. scene there at that road. So we know that road. We recognize that road. When Emma went to talk to Gold just a little bit, though, before she left the town, he said that taking away her light magic would be permanent. 
And I've listened very closely to everything that Gold was telling. Oh, for real? I threw it all out because it was all garbage. Well, I was listening closely to, is he telling her any direct lies? And I couldn't pinpoint a single thing as, yes, that is definitely a lie. No, it was all a lie. Well, it's a very vague thing. That's I mean, the form of mean, first of all, save your magic, excuse me. Kind of offensive, depending on your beliefs. But <laughs> labeling such a thing as save your magic and saying save your magic doesn't go easily. But the part that was a lie, I mean, he's acting like he knows about this. Oh, because it's been done before? What What are you even talking about? He's doing re- what Regina does, only it's a lie. It's not canon, <laughs> it, if you're following. Because usually Regina kind of sits around and just pulls things out of the air, but that's what was written, so mm. that becomes canon. Whereas here he's lying, and I said it in the initial reaction, I still don't understand why Emma didn't go, so you're telling me it's going to take out a city block... And you want to go to a mansion instead of the woods? That doesn't make any sense. But she went with it. Yeah. I guess she was distracted that, by her hand burning the wood. That part's... Well, it's kind of like, to me, what I see is it's a difference between telling lies and living a lie. Does when it matter at this point if he lies or not? I think he lies all the time. Well, yeah. I think... I know we used was, to have that conversation a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if he was lying, Emma probably would not pick up on it because oh she's i got gotcha. a wreck emotionally right now and See, i don't even think about her superpower because it's so you know hardly there yeah <laughs> <laughs> at, at times at least but it did at least make me think when he said it will take your magic away permanently my connection there is i'm wondering when he's saying that he's thinking about the hat and it does make me wonder if when people are sucked into the hat Magical people. Mm -hmm. If that is a permanent thing, if it's completely irreversible. I don't know. Because that might come back to an idea you put out in our initial reactions that the apprentice is the sorcerer. Hmm. If he is the sorcerer, then I would expect him to have some way of getting out of the hat or people will be released from the hat He'll be there. He'll be the sorcerer and he'll say, hey, that's my book. Thanks for keeping it for me. I think the sorcerer is the writer of the book. I'll I'll skip right there to say that, but we'll get into more detail on that in a little bit. The writer of the book? I don't think there is a writer of the book. (laughs) That's what I'm going with. What else stood out to you, Jeremy, about Emma and really her struggle with this whole thing? Well, mainly Elsa's speech there's still just some really wishy-washy things that they're trying to preach at us that I'm not totally happy with. You you know, I I don't subscribe to the idea of loving the good and the bad in yourself. Do you hear yourself loving the bad? Accept certain things, flaws that you might not ever change, or that maybe you're working on changing. If we take that same logic and apply it to Rumpelstiltskin, for example... I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? Should we apply that to the Wicked Witch? How about all the things Regina did? Should she just have accepted that she's a murderer? It is certainly... Shouldn't she accept that she's a villain? Isn't that part of who she is? She should just embrace that and try to be a villain and have her happy ending. She can have everything. Oh, wait, no, she can't. She needs to change. That is part of how they succeeded in Neverland is by embracing who they were, even... With Regina embracing her villain side with how she needed to work with some of the Lost Boys a bit and Eh. what Rumpel needed to do, some of that. But that goes to, does the end really justify the means? And I would say Mm -hmm. no. And yeah, the whole embrace, it's kind of, it's a fine line between embracing who you are and loving who you are. I think embracing who you are is more like recognizing your gifts, your personalities, Mm -hmm your strengths, and in a way, your weaknesses. That's not to say your bad side, but just what you're weak in. Embracing those things so that you can strengthen them, improve them, acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. But to say love yourself, yeah, should Zelina love herself? That whole list you went off on. (laughs) I... Yeah, it's you like, can't apply the same mechanics to every person. There's a thread of truth in what they say, mm-hmm. but the wording is very, eh, 
buzzy, I guess. It's not bu- buzz words. There's some buzz topics in there, the phrasing. Uh, and that, that popped up here and there in this episode. Also in some of the conversations with Snow and, Re- or, uh, yeah, Snow and Regina. But So I'm trying to pull the good parts of what they said out and take those because those are good. I think they had good intentions, but some of the, the choices and how to say it. Yeah, and the opposite isn't necessarily true either, where you should hate yourself well, or no. hate the characteristics that you have. It's it's a balance. Like everything, it's a balance. As long as we're kind of talking about disappointments with <laughs> <laughs> the morals in this episode. Ugh. I'll say it again. I was really disappointed with how they threw out all of Robin's honor and turned him into, let's be honest, an adulterer mm-hmm. and made Regina into a homewrecker the same kind of homewrecker that she accused Mary Margaret of in the first season. I think it's worse now than when Marion first came back because they've had Robin sit around and think about her and what she meant to him. Yeah. And what happened like to that? all that? That was honorable. What mm-hmm. happened to that? Oh, and the other thing, this is my last thing that I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> and I know there are many people who disagree with me. That's fine. You disagree with us on other points too. But... I, the other thing that really bugged me that came out, tiny little tidbit, when Mary Margaret and Regina were on that road and they were talking, Mary Margaret said, you're not the only one who slept with a Mary man, married man. I have two. <laughs> with a married man? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, she didn't. Unless there's something they didn't tell us from season one when she was cursed that she and David messed around, committed adultery then too. Which we never got that impression I don't directly remember that in season being the one. Impression. Yeah, exactly. We didn't get that impression. And now we're hearing something and it's like, what? The only person we knew that uh, Snow White, and I'm calling her mm-hmm. by that name because remember, this is supposed to be the embodiment of purity and, and I'm not saying over amplified, but role model style purity. And here she is. Dr. Yeah. Whale is the only one we've known of. That entire conversation that she had with Regina was so slow and out of place and awkwardly preachy, just very out of character to me. And I didn't look up who wrote this episode. I think it was Kitsis and Horowitz. Really? Interesting. Because it felt to me, I mean, I still really enjoyed it, but it felt like there was like someone in training who wrote the... The B storyline. So it was like, if you're going to have a conversation with Snow and Regina, or you're going to have this part or that part, it was like somebody else wrote that. And they kind of pasted it in awkwardly. At the same time, though, the main point of this conversation was to talk about hope, which has been a big theme ever since Once Upon a Time started. Kitsis and Horowitz have said the stories that we've read and grew up hearing We're all about hope, and that's what they want once upon a time to really push as the main idea is we all have hope. Even if you're a villain, there is hope to Mm -hmm. become the hero. There is hope to have a happy ending. So I think it's great that they are bringing that out, that Regina can have hope, and now she owes someone a quarter because of that. And here's Snow White. The, The basic personality of everything is hopeful. Yeah, there was just, I don't know. I've heard Snow White on this show give more moving speeches about hope. More succinctly as well. It just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, I understand that. But yet there were also some great words about forgiveness and grace. And that's true, that no matter how dark you've gone, there's always a chance for forgiveness Mm -hmm. and grace. It's just sometimes uh, to turn around from that is much bigger struggle the deeper in you get and i think we all know that because we've all experienced that in some way or another the darker the more we go to the dark side the harder it is to come back again they referred to the book it was robin when he was talking with will robin said that the book was the the new word for this season kids imbued with magic (laughs) (laughs) and When Will was talking about the magic starting, he said it started at the clock tower. And that made me think that, well, when Storybrooke came, the clock tower was the first thing. But what he actually meant was that when Emma came, the clock started moving again. 
And that was the first little bit of magic returning to the town. Yeah, which was an interesting spin on it because I was sure he was going to bring up the well where Rumpel brought magic to Storybrooke at the end of season one. But the clock tower's always been special, and at least it was a true event that happened. It wasn't another squid ink. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the well, why don't they just drop Marion into the well? <laughs> <laughs> and then she comes back all thought out. <laughs> what? That's the how it should have ended version. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't they? We haven't seen that well since Why indeed? the beginning uh, well, near the end of the first half of season three. The wedding? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was at the end of season three. So we have seen more of the well. But I was thinking actual actions at the well because that's where Peter Pan enacted his new curse. So no, true. why didn't, since curses seem to come and go through the well, then that could have been where Ingrid would have gone to enact this new curse. I Yet feel like if she curse. had shattered the mirror and put it in the well, we all would have groaned a little bit yeah that's true they like how many more colors does it have if we had seen a silver cloud coming out of that well they don't and they shouldn't overuse the well no they shouldn't so the library's magic magical in some way is it a magic library or a magic book and do magical pages really just appear folded up in a knapsack because you're in the magical library or because you're in a library and the book likes that? Or because you have the magic book in the magic library? I, I think it's more just the nature of the book is that it shows up and apparently an individual page shows up when you need it to. And at that moment was when Robin needed it to show up. It wasn't because he was at the library. By the way, there were some interesting titles there at the library. Uh, Fight for Survival, Eyewitness to Disaster, uh, great Marquise Mercedes-Benz, The Cat in the Hat, of course, The Great Events by Famous Historians, and the, of course, 1988 Mercedes-Benz 650 SL Repair Manual. Wow. And whatever pop-up book that was that Will pulled out. I want that kind of history book. <laughs> because I looked closely at the page when Will was looking at it, and it looked like it was some history book uh, talking about uh, Spanish history, I think. Which would make sense because of the ship and some of the other things that were in it. Mm -hmm. A nice little nod to Wonderland when Robin questioned why a cat would need a hat. And I think Will, when he said something about it in response, I've seen Stranger, I think he was thinking of the cat from Wonderland that wants all kinds <laughs> of weird things. Well, I think he could have been thinking of a number of things. Yeah, that's true, too. What do you think about the nature of the book? Well, I'm starting to wonder if they're trying to make some vague allusions to questions about God. Hmm. Certain things they said are, very, are things that people sometimes say discussing God and perhaps the Bible. You know, like there, she's, Regina's going, I'm not sure if the author is a he, a she, or an it. Hmm saying the author seems to have a rule that villains don't get happy endings even if they change. Yeah, I can see some of that coming through. Or later on, even, you know, Snow says things aren't that simple, speaking about not being all good or all bad. And Regina says, whoever's guiding this seems to think it is. Yeah, when she said whoever's guiding this, that one did stand out to me as really odd. As if, and remember, Regina's perspective is that the book is dictating what they do mm -hmm. and robin actually was the one to point out no this is a record of what happened right it's not basically the dictation of what you must do right so i don't know if they're being very pointed with it i, I mean i don't think so far i don't know if they're intending to or if i'm reading too much into it no book pun intended and they are getting into the multiple dimensions sort of thing, which here's... Did you think so? I thought it was just like a clue. Hey, here's how the book could have read if you had just made better choices. Because Regina even said herself, things might have turned out differently if I'd chosen you over evil. Yeah. Yeah, things would have turned out a lot differently. I mean, think about the whole curse. Regina might not have cast the curse. Right. And Rumpel would have 
had to use Zelina instead to cast the curse. <laughs> or I don't know, Rumpel probably would have found a way. There are multiple theories about parallel universes and multiple dimensions. The basic premise, <laughs> and I'm not going to say I subscribe to these theories, but there are many different ones. But what some will say is that there are parallel universes where there's another you that makes different choices. Others will say with every choice everyone faces, a parallel universe is created with the different results of that choice. So there are millions, billions, duo trigadrillion, if I pronounce that correctly. Wow. It's one of the largest numbers. Uh, but as we all know, the universe, the all of existence would be lagging by now because the the memory alone to load that sort of <laughs> that yeah. number of processes. The universe is not just a big truck you can or dump stuff on. It's a series what? of tubes, basically. Right. Sure. No, that's a very old reference. Yeah, very geeky reference too. Yeah, the the book. I think that what they're going to discover, since we're talking about the book, I want to dig into this in a little more detail. Mm -hmm. I think the sorcerer is the author of the book, and the reason for that being, when you look at the apprentice's communication there with Ingrid in the past, and yes, I know there's your idea. Are you still sticking to it that you think the apprentice is the sorcerer? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, maybe it's the actual sorcerer telling her this, but whatever the case, mm-hmm. he says that the sorcerer found a match, and that's a future match. Mm-hmm. And that means that the sorcerer can see across time. Mm-hmm. The sorcerer can very easily send Ingrid to another world without having to create a curse. It's just, boom, here's a door. And maybe the sorcerer made the hat, too, that Jefferson used, because that's full of doors. And the fact that he can see across time and see possibilities across time, what would have happened if Ingrid had given the hat to Rumpel instead, it's making me think that because of that little like multiple possibilities thing, as a hint, and also the thing that happens in Storybrooke with the page in the book being an indicator of there are multiple possibilities and multiple paths you could take. I think those two are indications of a connection that the sorcerer is the one who wrote the book. And what do you think about that? I think I'd be disappointed. It go, there's no motivation. He's not connected to the story. I mean, he is now, but if he turns out to be the author, I don't want to know for like two more seasons. Because I don't like things coming out of left field and being like, there, there's your answer. We did not foreshadow this at all. Sorry. I do like the idea of the apprentice actually being the sorcerer because they Mm -hmm. do keep referring to the sorcerer as this other person. They're basically leading us on with a story. And that's often a setup for a twist later Mm -hmm. on to discover, no, it's actually the apprentice is the sorcerer. And he does seem to have a much bigger personality than just an apprentice. And Sorry, I'm not insulting apprentices out there. <laughs> but he seems like he's in control. And especially when you look at his expressions mm-hmm. when the hat was brought up. When Ingrid mentioned that she had the hat. And then when she gave him the hat later. The way that he held the hat, it almost looked like it was something precious to him not to right. his you, sorcerer. You could say that it's because he's protected it so long and he lost it and he really was glad to make amends for that mistake. But he also seems prepared to make decisions on behalf of the sorcerer. Yeah, he speaks for the sorcerer. So through this whole thing, I've thought that it's interesting and I like the layering of having a sort of secondary plot that is not unimportant, that's kind of woven through the main plots. So we see the hat in the past with Anna, but it's not the primary focus of that story. And we see the hat and Rumpel's sort of agenda in the present, and now, and it's been kind of in the background, but it's now interfering with both the heroes and the villain Hmm. to some degree. Yeah. So it's like there are two, more so than in the past, there are two main stories, one more so than the other. I mean, obviously, the Snow Queen is the big story. 
but then there's still all this hat sorcerer stuff that's mixing in rather well, I think. Here's a crazy theory that Manic just shared in the chat room. Maybe the hat is the sorcerer. I almost said that. I'm not trying to steal glory. I so almost said that like five minutes ago. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. So what would gathering magic be about? Would it be about reconstituting the sorcerer? Yeah, which makes me think like Harry Potter sort of thing, Lord Voldemort. Which, spoiler, he has to reconstitute himself. Albeit a bit differently. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's like the the sorcerer made a hat so powerful, it just sucked him up into it. And now he has to gather magic to be able to have the hat spit him back out. Maybe. Maybe. It's not the first time that we'll be surprised how something magical actually <gasps> And maybe works. the sorcerer's a woman and the apprentice is, is. like her man. <laughs> yeah. Or her father or her son or <laughs> some family relationship right. because everybody's related. Everybody's related. So then who would the sorcerer be? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. <laughs> maybe Rumpelstiltskin's mom. <laughs> And that's why she disappeared when he was a boy. I'm not <laughs> holding this theory. Complete sidetrack. Let's bring it back in. Woo! That was fun. <laughs> uh, Jessica sent us a theory saying, I have a theory on the prophecy that the sorcerer gave to Ingrid. I think it is essentially fake and only real because Ingrid has hope. I think the sorcerer needed someone to protect Emma and needed his, her, its hat back. That in order to kill two birds with one stone, he made this prophecy to give Ingrid hope and protect Emma, but it only exists to Ingrid. And we have already seen how hope and believing is a powerful thing, and all of Emma and Elsa and Ingrid are powerful in their own right. The prophecy reminds me of how the Sisters of Oz from season three were sisters. <laughs> Forgot about that. They were sisters because they were together. Oh. They didn't have ribbons. No, but they did have a round table. They had um, they had medallions that were, you know, imbued with stuff. But they didn't know that word then. <laughs> it wasn't the word of that season. <laughs> it was nice to see gold finally using the dust from the urn. This was something that was referenced in a deleted scene that played on Good Morning America, but we talked about it in a previous episode. It was, in short, the deleted scene was... The gang, including Rumpel, went to the barn where the urn was, and Rumpel basically said, what, you just, you destroyed the urn and then just walked out? This magic dust from the urn could have taken away your magic powers, and he talked about magic can't be destroyed, it can only change forms. Part of that was reused when Mm. instead they turned that little bit of something, uh, the magic, into the the snowflakes that led them to Ingrid in a previous mm-hmm. episode. But that deleted scene really set up that Rumple gathered the dust from the urn and he said, and he was gathering it. We saw him gather it and he said that magic can't be destroyed. It can only change forms. So that is really a good foundation to this episode when he uses that dust to trap Ingrid there in the cave. But there's a problem here. I Uh-oh. see. I think they broke their own rules with the dust, and this wouldn't be the first time they've broken their magic rules, and I could be wrong about something here, but <laughs> the things that we've learned previously about the urn is it can remove your magic or it can just capture a magical being. Whatever the case, magic isn't supposed to be able to get out of the urn. So when Rumple then sprinkled Jacob's ashes, I mean the urn dust, <laughs> around Ingrid. <laughs> Whoa. Nicely done. I think that <laughs> she was trapped inside of there and you could see she wanted to use her magic against Rumple, but she couldn't. Mm-hmm. Her magic was trapped in there with her in some way or she couldn't use magic. <laughs> Until it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Because then she was able to control the mirror mm-hmm. and magically project herself through the mirror, by the way, without Sydney's help. Right. And, or maybe because she had the mirror that Sydney once was in. So maybe that explains how she was able to do that. But she could project herself. She had an imbued mirror. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe breaking some rules there. Yeah. But I'm not going to get hung up on that. At least they explained why she didn't use the ribbon sooner. Yeah. 
Because I was also thinking, well, then why didn't she just throw the ribbons on him and control Emma that way? But it's because she wasn't ready. Right. They hadn't embraced who they really were. And now that they are, those ribbons are powered by the magic of true love. So since Ingrid is about to harness that, maybe that could have something powerful behind it and even potentially defeat Rumple. Ingrid hinted at that. I don't know if it will. So how creepy is this going to get? Like, how in control is she? Are they... Well, hmm. of course, we don't know how the ribbons interact with the curse either. Right. She kind of did a lot right there. The ribbons might be protecting them from the curse. Or making it so that the curse has the opposite effect. And they just see her. Yeah. Because I think I kind of had that theory before. I just didn't know about the ribbons. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, a good idea there. And because the ribbons are powered by true love magic, that's what makes me think it could be even more powerful than Rumple. Because he's often talked about the magical power of true love. Now, speaking of Rumple and power, he was prepared to betray Emma. Yeah. But he made it her choice. Like, he wanted to trick her into walking in there, but I don't even see why he did it that way. Did he have to? He didn't give the apprentice any choice, so it doesn't have to be their choice. Maybe he did have to because her magic is light magic. He did say to Emma back in the shop that there is that curse. And of, he was making up a lot of stuff and he just crumpled that paper. But he did say that there is a way to remove uh, light magic mm-hmm. willingly from someone who's willing mm-hmm. to have their magic removed. So you think there was some truth in that? Yeah, it probably very much was something that she had to make that choice and he couldn't just push her through. No one could take her heart, or at least Cora couldn't. Yeah. So maybe it's similar to that. And it also could be that he didn't want to directly lie to her. Oh, because she might notice? Yeah. Even though she was going all weird on everything. Right. And there in the abandoned manor, which is on the map. <laughs> right. <laughs> on the map. As manor. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm still, I still don't understand why she didn't at least once go, so we should destroy this place and not the woods? Oh, he said it's abandoned. And he would know. Yeah, but why? <laughs> why Why destroy a mansion when it could be a bunch of trees? Or That's at least true. a dangerous playground in the woods. It could be that this is the place, the only place the cat could do this kind of magic. Because this is the honeymoon mansion. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I'm not this is where the magic of, happens? <laughs> this is where the hat was found. Remember when Rumpel yes. and Belle came there? Same fireplace, same room. That room outside where mm-hmm. the hat was glowing and everything, where Emma was and Rumpel, where they were talking. You saw that chandelier often. That's the room where yes. Rumpel and Belle danced. Yes, I know. So maybe, I am merely questioning the logic. Really, <laughs> not not. I think it's a great location if you haven't just told someone it's going to take out a city block. But maybe from Rumpel's perspective, this is the only place he can do that kind yes. of magic to take away quote savior magic. <laughs> unquote. Uh, <laughs> One danger I think that is putting Rumpel at risk here is that Emma knows that. He thinks he'll never change. Mm, Yes. He did confess that to her, and Mm -hmm. now she knows that. I don't think that's really going to come back into play, though. Maybe not in a serious way from that one event. I I liked hearing him say it, because starting out the season, I didn't expect that out of him for some reason, even though I did. How much do you think Rumpel is controlling Hook? Because we saw Hook pick up the hat box... Heart magic has always been incredibly ambiguous. Everything from you are a radio transmitter to you can't feel anything to, oh, but you love so deeply that you can fall in love even without your heart. Mm, I think we just have to wait and see what Regina says. Yeah. (laughs) And Hook clearly didn't learn that, quote, that whole stuffing things under your shirt move never works, unquote. As Lily taught Emma at a young age. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. 
because I couldn't decide if something was supposed to be off. Emma thought something was off, but I couldn't tell what. With Hook's heart under the control of Rumple, Rumple no longer has to blackmail Hook in order to get him to do his bidding. Hook is now Rumple's puppet. So Rumpel can do all of these things around town and get away with it. Mm-hmm. And the blame going on Hook or whatever. But Hook is the one that knows all the secrets. So it makes sense that Rumpel would be controlling him. Yeah. Oh, Rumpel. I, I like that he admitted that he always ends up undoing the good along with not thinking that he can change. Meticulously, Meticulously. undoing the good. Yeah, I don't know that that was precisely the correct word, but because, it, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't kill his own son. Right, but by a string of actions. I'd say rather sloppily. Yeah. He's kind of meticulous, but he has a sloppiness about him. He makes really weird decisions. He does it powerfully, but he makes really weird decisions. Well, I want to thank some people who have made some really awesome decisions. <laughs> And that is to sponsor this episode of the podcast. David Newland and Jeannie Root, thank you so much for your donations to the podcast. And also our 11 Patreon backers. We're up to $22.50 per episode. We really appreciate the support because it does cost a lot to run the podcast. And no magical hat is sitting in the other room imbuing us with cash in order to (laughs) run the podcast and all of its expenses. So we really appreciate the kind donations David and Jeannie for this episode. If you'd like to donate to this episode, you can donate a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, and that's what helps us the best. Or you can donate on a per episode basis through Patreon. You can donate of any amount to each of these, but we do have some suggested amounts in case you're trying to figure out what helps us. Please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to find out more about how you can do that. And again, thank you, David, Jeannie, and our 11 Patreon backers. Moving on to Elsa and Anna, they keep talking about their parents and this whole discussion keeps starting of our parents went to go find a way to remove your magic and all of this. And like I said earlier with the whole, I'm just the sorcerer's apprentice, that whole thing. I wonder if this whole thing of their parents trying to find a way to remove Elsa's magic Mm -hmm. is also a misleading thing that we're going to discover that, no, that's not what they were going to do. That's not why they visited the Enchanted Forest. It was for some other reason to maybe teach Elsa how to use her magic or teach Elsa how beautiful her magic could be or warn Elsa about Ingrid or... Yeah, I just can't figure out why they would go there. Maybe, 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 maybe no, because Gerda would have known where the urn was unless she didn't have her memories. But I don't think she'd end up going to the Enchanted Forest after something she didn't remember. Right. Hmm. Well, and the urn was in Arendelle. I know it was. Can we talk about the urn for a second? Yeah. Because so much depends on how this thing works. So they go in the cave... Way back when. Mm-hmm. Hans pops it open to trap Elsa, and out comes Ingrid. So, Anna traps Elsa. Ingrid doesn't like it. Can Ingrid not release Elsa? Well, remember, Rumpel took it back. When? in There in the house, after Ingrid went all monster and froze Anna and Kristoff in that dining hall. Mm-hmm. Ingrid was holding the urn. She okay, used the true. rock troll memory removing spell. Right. And then in that conversation was when Rumpel just poofed it out of her hand and it went to his vault, directly to his vault. Yes. Okay. So yes, that happened, but she hadn't released Elsa yet. And she clearly, she was so angry. That's why she froze everything. It was like she had lost Elsa, which doesn't make any sense because you should be able to open the urn unless you thought she'd end up inside too. Well, she maybe, but it could also be that she needed to do this whole memory thing before she let Elsa back out. But Rumpel arrived before Ingrid could let Elsa out. Hmm. I don't know. It was a lot of anger for something easily undone. Yeah, that's true. So I'm just a little curious about that. 
And the nature of the urn is something else to consider. Like when you're in there, one of our listeners, Jessica, suggested that it's very much like we've talked about the genie lamp where you may be trapped in there, but you're still conscious. You can move around. You have some space. So maybe that's how Ingrid was able to learn how to use her magic while she was in there. Maybe being inside the urn is a much bigger place than we realize. It's a lot bigger in the uh, inside. And she learned to let it goo. Yeah, let it goo. Because and she was goo. Built a snowman and built an ice palace. <laughs> a little one. Mm, don't know about that. But bringing it back to Anna and Elsa's parents, I think a lot of the truth of what com- might come out about what they've really set out to do is tied up in that note which we still mm-hmm. haven't seen yet. And I think we will see. We've got to see it. I think it'll end up folded up in somebody's knapsack in the library. <laughs> it will appear when they need it most. That's only if it's written by the sorcerer. <laughs> if he well, wrote the book. I don't think Gerda's the sorcerer. We watched her write it. I don't think. Right. <laughs> I guess she could be. I know. Uh, yeah. I liked watching Anna and Elsa together in this episode you know Anna's lie could have had serious consequences don't lie people but I liked the parallel that Elsa I wanted to say Ingrid real bad Elsa believed her sister yes just like Helga (laughs) believed in her sister I liked a lot of the Anna banter Mm -hmm. Um, and also Kristoff and Elsa when they are together I think that's very interesting because they've given them this sort of playful sibling kind of thing. And we didn't really get to see those two characters together all that much in Frozen itself. So it's kind of a new relationship to explore. Right. Yeah, this whole brother-in-law, sister-in-law thing going on. Saying she's surprised that the dust in the room bothers him. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fun banter they have going back and forth. I wonder how much we're actually going to see any more of past Arendelle, unless they take us even farther back into the past. Well, see, I still think if I had to predict certain plot points that might come up, I think Arendelle's still frozen. I think eventually these two stories, the sorcerer and the frozen stuff, merge together more closely. And that's how we can make perhaps a quick jump to Arendelle. I mean, look how he can do it. So if he can make a door, and love is an open door, you know, uh, they can go through for one reason or another. I don't know how we're going to get there from here, but I think that that's probably the key to rescuing Anna. I think she's still right there. Maybe. Maybe. I also think she's in the necklace. Here are a couple things. Oh, in the necklace. Yeah. Which, as you may recall, is still having been shown very prominently dangling in a crack in the ice wall. Yeah. And it's melted. Now we know how it melted like that. Yes. That was nice to finally get to see that. But look at the order of events here. Anna went to visit David and then met with Rumpelstiltskin, came back. While Anna was gone, Hans and Elsa then found Ingrid. Ingrid and Elsa start bonding. Then Anna gets back. They have this little conversation. While Anna then goes to see the rock trolls, then Ingrid stops Anna. Ingrid captures Anna. Ingrid takes the hat. Almost probably the next day, Ingrid then buries the hat. A couple other days happen. Some of this other stuff (laughs) that we see in this episode happens. Mm -hmm. And then Ingrid leaves the Enchanted Forest, or leaves Fairytale Land from Arendelle, and comes into our world. Not bringing the hat. Of course, the hat's back in the sorcerer's, Mm -hmm. or uh, the apprentice's hand. She stepped right out into phone booths and Tron posters. Yeah. And she didn't bring the mirror with her, either. Because there was that shattered mirror Mm -hmm. in the bedroom, in the girl's old bedroom mm-hmm. where Hans and the, the urn were. And that might be the mirror because it was missing a piece that looked like the same size as the piece that she crumpled up and then blew into oh, I think Anna's so. eyes. But I think that she's taken pieces from many, many, many mirrors to make yeah. hers. So I think that she's been building that mirror, but then she came to our world and left the mirror behind. The curse brought a lot of things that belong to a lot of people 
and the curse might have brought the mirror to Storybrooke. So when Ingrid came to Storybrooke as Ice Cream Lady, she got the mirror and was then able to continue this whole process. Maybe. Because she spent very little time with Anna and Elsa. And she also, by the way, spent very little time with the hat. So I don't know where she learned the secret behind uh, what Rumple needed. She just learns things quickly, I suppose, through osmosis. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. That's So that's, you raised some interesting points about the mirror timeline, except that we don't necessarily have any evidence that she was building the mirror before she came to our world. Do we? Unless that mirror in the girl's bedroom, is it? She had the piece of the mirror, remember? Mm-hmm. And well, she used a piece. Yeah, she used a piece. And she did say she was working on casting that spell, but it would take her a very long time to collect enough. Well, she said mirror. a lifetime, did she not? Yes, I believe so. Which seems like an exaggeration considering she did it, unless she doesn't need it as big as a kingdom. She just needs a small town. Well, it did almost take a lifetime because it mm-hmm. was... 28, 29, 30 years or so ago that that happened. And then we are today. She finally completed the mirror. I think we're going to see her in a childcare setting with lots and lots of mirrors around the house, stared into by sad, (laughs) uh, lonely children gathering up their sadness Hmm. for her curse. Well, and that's what we might find. Not I think she built that. it mainly in this world. Hmm. Then she needed Regina's mirror because it had dark magic. I think that if they're going to show us flashbacks, Imbued. the flashbacks that they have yet to show us would be our world, Ingrid settling in, Ingrid's time with young Emma, and nothing else from Arendelle. Because it seems like, unless they go farther back in the past in Arendelle, they've shown us everything we need from Arendelle. They've wrapped that story up. We know where Kristoff is. We mm-hmm. know how Elsa ended up in that urn and in Rumpelstiltskin's vault. We know how Ingrid got to our world. There are a lot of questions that this episode answered and tied up a lot of loose ends as far as that part of the past. So, And we have three episodes left? Three episodes left, yes, in this first half of the season. Mm-hmm. So they're going to probably give us more flashbacks because that's how they like to tell the story. Mm-hmm flashbacks of what well i'm confident at least one of those flashbacks (laughs) will focus on emma's childhood relationship Mm -hmm. with ingrid i would agree the only question is which episode (laughs) yeah i i would predict the next one by the way speaking of the next episode there won't be an episode on sunday november 23rd that's the sunday before thanksgiving in the united states but there will be an episode again starting on november 30th there will be three episodes And we'll be closing out the first half of season three. Then on Sunday, December 14th will be the last episode of season three. So we're getting 12 hours of content. I'm sorry, season four. We're getting 12 hours of content in this first half of season four. I hope they also give us 12 hours in the second half of season four. That'd be awesome. (laughs) So just keep that in mind. There will be no show on this Sunday, no podcast that we'll be doing this that Sunday, November 23rd or the Wednesday after that, but we'll be back on our schedule when Once Upon a Time comes back on Sunday, November 30th at 8, 7 central. Let's talk about Ingrid a little bit more. When she said in the beginning of the episode, she wanted a perfect match and the sorcerer would have to try and find one. It made me wonder, did the sorcerer make a perfect match for her? But later on, she describes the perfect match as simply being the three sort of sisters who have embraced their magic and that's what makes them the perfect match i find it almost odd the sorcerer could what criteria does one use sorcerer or no to find such a thing this is a rather psychotic request i feel sort of like if we were to be flies on the wall of the writer's room Like the concept came out, they laid out the season and they began writing. And as they got partway through the season, they started to go, you know, 
this is nuts. And they've started to have people call them out on it. <laughs> like uh, Rumple telling her, calling it twisted. And, and various people have taunted her a little bit. Which is reassuring to me that I'm not alone in thinking she's completely wacko. Oh, yeah. But she doesn't act completely wacko. It's the funny thing. You know, what's really ironic, too, about what she wants. She referred to the happiest time being when she was flying kites with her sisters. That was before her magic. Yes. Yeah, chasing the kite. So she's basically saying her happiest time was without magic when Mm -hmm. she had her three sisters. It makes me wonder if she's going to lose her magic. Hmm. Maybe she'll be sucked up into the hat. Mm. I would say that wouldn't be a very fitting end, but look what happened to Selena. Yeah, that's true. I'm still rather unsatisfied with that. Now that she's got the magic of the three sisters and she didn't drain the magic from the other two, she's wielding it and they could feel it. Now she's been able to enact the curse. Oh, you think that's what the key was? That she needed them? she did say. Yeah, she did say Mm. that she couldn't use the bracelet until now, and also that uh, she communicated in some way that she needed the three sisters' magic in order to enact the curse of Shattered Sight. I think I didn't realize that because she was able to do it on a small scale herself. I think it would be great if the next episode opens with Grumpy running through the town, or Leroy, And saying again, it's here, it's here, a new curse is going. (laughs) Terrible news. And then Happy's like, shut up, and like knocks him to the ground. Yeah. Because they're already, well, no, they'd have to already be hit with the curse to do that. Yeah, I wonder if Grumpy would turn back into Dreamy, because he's Grumpy already. I have a feeling there are going to be a lot of awful things said next week. Yeah. We'll see if this curse affects everyone including magical people, we'll probably see Henry going against Regina and Emma. Mm-hmm. We'll see David and Mary Margaret going against each other. We'll see all of our couples, Robin and Regina too, going against each other probably. Mm-hmm. It will be very strange and it's something that I hope they don't keep for very long. Eh, yeah, I would agree with that. Who has to kiss who to break this one? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll be undone by the very thing Ingrid wants. True sisterly love and then, whoops, curse broken. Probably not. I can't really see that coming, though. There were a bunch of random little things in this episode that really stood out to me. Like, there were so many nods back to all of the seasons. I think they did hit all of the separate seasons in different nods to things. Like, they referred to Peter Pan, Cora, Mila... The Wicked Witch, The Heart of the Truest Believer, <laughs> several other things as well that kind of hit major things from hmm. each of the seasons. Interesting. And even some extra things from Frozen. Chocolate fondue and chocolate in general are now yeah. official once upon a time food. So when you're having your parties, chocolate everything. And speaking of party, we will be having a season finale party. Not the mid-season finale party, but a season finale party. That'll probably be in May 2015. So we'll give you more details about that when we have more details and have a date on that. So one reason I'm missing Erin tonight, our co-host, is because she's Canadian. And I need to know, who posts opening hours? Like on the library. Most people here just say hours... I mean, that's not your opening hours. Are you opening for the entire duration of the time posted on the door? Is that a Canadian thing? That's what I want to know. Hmm. But there's no Canadian here to tell us that. But they're very generous. Sure. Our library is only open until 9. Theirs is open until 10. That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think this marks the first time we've seen the upstairs of Snow's apartment. Is that true? No, we've seen it before. Well, I can't think of the episode specifically, but we have seen it before, (laughs) I believe. We also learned that when you spend a lot of time as an outlaw in the woods, like Snow did, and you learn to track people and animals, you can absolutely identify car tracks. It's the same thing. Snow was a good tracker. She's an extraordinary tracker, apparently. These are the tidbits that I notice. (laughs) 
Well, what did you notice from this episode? We'd love for you to continue this conversation, not by sending us email because we're finished here discussing this episode in the podcast, but comment on the show notes for this episode by going to oncepodcast.com slash 171. You can also start your own conversations over in the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Join there. It's free and easy, and a bunch of people are sharing a bunch of theories. You can also see information about spoilers, which Hunter and Jacqueline will be sharing very soon with us in the podcast. And send us your feedback when the next episode of Once Upon a Time airs, which is now a week and a half away. (laughs) But we've got Thanksgiving before then, so let those desserts and hopefully a lot of chocolate and chocolate (laughs) fondue encourage you during that time that we don't have once upon a time but we'll be back on november 30th with our live initial reactions and please send us your feedback about each episode as you watch it the general guideline is put the title of the episode as the subject line of the email and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. Special thanks to FL1212 for leaving a kind review for us on iTunes. And Jeremy, you're going to like what they said. Oh, This is my favorite of the three Once Upon a Time podcasts I listen to. Jeremy is pretty good at guessing what will happen. I noticed that by listening to episodes they recorded from seasons one and two before I was listening in, and he guessed some things right on. Really? Yeah. I don't even know that I'm aware of this. (laughs) So thank you for that kind review. You can read the whole full review they left either by going to iTunes at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes, or we'll also have a link to it in the show notes for this episode, number 171. We would also love it if you would write a review for us in iTunes or Stitcher, whichever way that you listen to the podcast that really encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast as well. Please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast and each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And since Erin isn't here, please follow her on Twitter at Erin J. Cruz. Special thanks to all of those who make this episode of the podcast and the podcast as a whole possible. Corbin sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Jacob helping with screenshots, Keb managing our timeline, Aliascape and Aaron J moderating the chat room, and to my fellow co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline. Until next time, remember, we can probably defeat you and decorate this place with your bones. Shall we try? And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to the sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and be like co-producers with us and make this podcast possible, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to sign up for a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, which is what helps us the best, or even a per-episode donation. And any of these can be any amount that you want, and every little bit helps us. So that's oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. So this one's going to be a little different. We actually don't have a press release or guest stars yet for episode 409, Fall, because we don't have an episode this week. (laughs) And ABC is not on our podcasting schedule. True. But we can tell you it's written by Jane Epsonson and directed by Mario Van Peebles. Yes. And we did get a promo this week. Yes. Although, I'm going to say it didn't reveal much, because it was kind of just a teaser for, remember that in two weeks you have a new episode. Yes. Um, We know that the mirror has shattered at the end of the last episode, Mm -hmm. and it looks like the residents of Storybrooke find out, because Regina does say that by the end of the day, the residents of Storybrooke are going to be at each other's throat. 
Yes. Well, it does say that the Snow Queen, her, that now that her power is complete, she's one more spell. Is she? Do you think she's going to cast that spell that she cast on Anna to the whole town? I do. I think the episode is going to open or, you know, maybe like 15 minutes in, you're going to see all those little glass shards going into people's eye. And I think we're we're looking at maybe two episodes of this curse, given that episode 10 is actually called Shattered Sight. Yes. And the first half of the season's almost over, so they can't spend too long on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yes. But um, somehow it looks like snow is locked up. Yeah. And she wants Emma to take on the Snow Queen and win. Yeah, and given that we do know the the spell has probably been cast, and we've seen some pictures that we've mentioned before of, for example, people fighting in the streets, I think we're looking at a lot of people fighting each other. And I know that a while back, Josh Dallas did say something about something that's going to test snow and charming so i wonder if that's the spell if there's something that might come between them a little bit during these couple episodes yes we did have a canadian promo but it's really funny because it was the exact same one as ours yeah it is (laughs) like if you look online people it'll say canadian promo and they're like all proud it's a canadian promo but it was the exact same one yeah and we only had one photo because we didn't get anything from abc yet But it's Emma and Elsa, and they're standing in a street. Yes, and they have, of course, the yellow ribbons on their arms, and I guess that's their immunity from what's about to happen. Yes, because they're all sisters. They're family. Yeah. So we're going to move on. Um, I did see a quote from Adam Horowitz talking about Belle's strength and heroism will play a key part in this fall finale. So that'll be fun. And we know from Robert Carlyle a while back that he's really in trouble the last couple episodes. So I think Belle's heroism and Rumpel's, all of Rumpel's lies are probably going to come to the surface here towards the end. Yes. But we will get to see another bit of her time in the Dark Castle with Rumpel. I always think that's kind of fun. Yeah, those episodes are fun. That should be good. We did get a video of some bystanders who were in Steveston and saw some filming. I think it's going to be coming soon because it's a video of Emma and Elsa on the beach. And then there's the trunk that we talked about in the other set photos. And Anna and Kristoff are in the trunk. Yes. And they come out and they're looking confused. And Elsa hugs Anna because they're finally reunited. Yes. And I think... That reunion is probably at the end of, it's either the end of 409 or it's the end of 410. I want to say it's the end of 410, but it's going to happen pretty soon. Yes. So there's somehow going to be a trunk on the beach and they're not wet. Yeah, we have no idea how that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea. Okay. But we do have some big casting news. Yeah. Do you want to say who it is? So, Marin Dungey has been cast as Ursula for the second half of the season. She will be joining the other two female villainesses, Maleficent and Cruella, in a sort of trio of evil for season 4B. Now, we do know that Yvette Nicole Brown originally voiced Ursula as a statue in the season 3 episode, Ariel, But I'm pretty sure that she's got a lot of prior commitments. I think she's still busy with community. And I believe that she has picked up a role on a new show over at CBS. So it's unlikely that she was able to return. But you might know Marin from the TV show Alias. She was really good there. She played Sidney Bristow's best friend and clone. It was weird. Um, But yeah, she's been on set. For the past couple, or I guess since yesterday, as Ursula, she's there with Cruella and with Rumpel walking around Storybrooke. Yes. Um, but we do, since we don't have much to tell you in ep- for episode 409, we did get a cheese photo of Cruella DeVille, which has surfaced with her filming in Steveston. And it's really kind of cool. She looks really good she does she she definitely looks like her disney counterpart but i would say she looks scarier because 
they've kind of made her a lot darker. Yeah. So for everyone that hasn't seen the photo, she has the traditional like black and white hair. She has bright red gloves on. Well, red gloves on and a black and white coat. But you know what I noticed? There were no Dalmatian spots. Yeah. I'm glad they took away that really ugly yellow coat that she wears in the movie. Yes. And gave her something a little bit more sinister and sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And then we did get a wonderful spoiler update from our co-host, Erin. Yeah, she's in Steveston this week. She is. And she actually, she witnessed filming yesterday. Yes. Did you want to talk about who's there? Sure. So she sent along a couple things. Um, she saw a bunch of people on set, including Emma, Hook, Snow, Rumple, the guest stars of Ursula and Cruella, and she also saw Belle. Now, she didn't see Josh Dallas, who plays Charming, and according to her, Charming hasn't been on set for about a week. May not be anything. Don't panic. Um, it could just be a really light episode for Josh. And everyone deserves a day off. Yes. <laughs> he may have had a commitment issue. Right. Um, that but does just, happen with stars, so. Yeah. Some of the things she said she saw, uh, she saw Emma and Hook getting Belle from the library, and she saw Regina walking Henry to the school bus, and Regina and Emma inside the bug, mm-hmm. and driving, I guess, around a corner. A lot of times. A lot of times. <laughs> Apparently, they had to do that several times. If you've uh, never worked on a set, they actually have to do that, like, quite a few times. They do one or two rehearsals, then they do a couple just a tape. So you're looking at at least five times that this is going to happen. Yeah. And apparently Aaron got to meet Jennifer Morrison, which is a big deal for her. So congratulations, Aaron. Yes. Even though I know you're not listening to this because you are so anti-spoiler. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell her at the end. We'll just send her a message saying, oh, after the season, you have to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty much all we have this week for you guys. Yeah. Very light week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. And keep a lookout on the boards if you really want to know what happens as soon as the press release comes out. I'm sure it'll show up there. Yes. Okay. Until next time, Wednesdays.